I hope you got that Connect card filled out. You got written on there that you would like to uh, have access to, to that directory. You'd like to join that directory. I hope Amen. you've done that. If you haven't, do it now. I'm not offended. Go right ahead. Please, please, please get that done um, so we can get you added. We'll mention that obviously for a few weeks, but then it's going to be up to you to spread the word to other folks that aren't here on this particular day uh, to let them know that, hey, they need to join uh, the directory along with us, all right? Um, and I didn't mention online. Hey, everybody, online. Hopefully you saw the links I just posted uh, so you can connect with us that way and join the directory as well, even if you're not here in person. Um, we still want you to be able to be part of us, the body, the community of Christ here at Berea, all right? Uh, two things that I wanted to mention that were unrelated to that. One, was this. Uh, it was a long time, it was about a year ago actually, before the pandemic, so it was in the winter of 2020, uh, we had a little dinner after church one time um, for folks that were kind of newer to the church to just be able to meet the leaders of the church and things like that. And so we are going to do that again. We're going to schedule that for Sunday, May 16th, right after church. Um, all the details will be out next week so you can sign up. We do need a head count just so we can prepare for food. Uh, but that's for those that, that you've been visiting, things like that, and you just want to know who the leadership is here at the church, give you a chance to ask any of us questions that you might have uh, about the church and things like that. Uh, that'll be on Sunday, May 16th, um, right after church. So uh, anyway, just a heads up on that. There'll be more information to come this next week. All right. One other thing that, that I wanted to mention to you, and, and that is this. We haven't talked a lot about this um, throughout the pandemic and into these, these months now as, as God is, is bringing us all back together and even adding to us as a body of Christ, but it's a really important thing to do, to do, all right? One of the best ways, one of the most exciting ways for me personally to worship is actually through giving, because God blesses us with so stinking much. Um, I, I don't, uh, every one of us, um, in different ways, and not all of us are equal, we, we don't all have that same thing, but God has blessed us in so many ways financially, and in our lives in this country that we live. It is a blessing to be here, absolutely. And just on behalf of the leadership and the staff of the church, um, throughout this last calendar year, if you will, a budget year of, of 2020, when uh, a lot of churches had a lot of difficulties with a lot of different things, God truly blessed us through you and your generosity. And so we wanted to make sure that we let you know how thankful we are for that. We don't make a big production of, of offering. We actually ought to emphasize it a little more because it is such a tremendous way that each of us gets to worship and return to our creator what he has given us. Um, but we, we do want to mention it from time to time, and there'll be seasons where we, we emphasize it. And the, the, the particular that I wanted to get to even beyond that was not only did God maintain us throughout this last year and, and provide all that we needed, all that we needed, every penny that we needed. Um, in this new year, uh, God has, has begun to use you to actually get us close to even meeting budget. And you might say, we don't meet budget. It's not like at home, okay? Uh, our budget is a number. And if we have it, great. If we don't, we don't spend it. You know, it's not like we have these things that God takes care of us and he's using you to do that. And we just wanted to encourage you through that um, and, and keep up those great efforts. We are so thankful, so grateful for your participation in the ministry through your giving. All right. It means so much to us um, that, that you're willing to partner with us in that way. All right. So thank you for that. Let's let's go to the Lord in prayer before we get going in the word. Father God, I, it is a blessing um, to be able to give. Uh, Father, you uh, talked about that throughout your word, and your son made such a big deal of it in his ministry and talking about giving, and, and he's the one that points out that it's not the amount, it's the heart. It's how much you give from what you have. It's, it's sacrificial 
giving that he illustrates through the example of, of the widow who gave so very little, but yet it meant so very much. Father, you have blessed us in so many incredible ways, and it's an honor to return thanksgiving to you through our tithes and offerings. Father, be with us this morning as we dive into your word and we consider those last moments that your son spent with his disciples on this earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I hope you can tell. I mean, I guess maybe it's hard to tell. I'm always excited. I'm a very excitable person. Okay, that's a good thing. Um, it might get annoying at times. I'm sorry. Maybe it rubs off on you. Um, that's the hope. If you come in on a Sunday morning and you're just kind of dragging, and I, hopefully by the time you leave here through worship and the energy in the room, and most importantly, the Spirit of God within you, you walk out the room a little different person that you came in, ready to see whatever happens in the world out there in front of us. When we began this series just after Easter, this is the final week of this short series that we're doing with our kids. Is anybody else having a hard time believing that May starts this week? May starts this week. That is insane that May starts. This year's almost half over already. I mean, it is crazy the way life works, right? Now for us, I know I've gotten to have some conversations with Kinley over these last couple weeks about what we're talking about up here versus what they're talking about downstairs. If you're a parent or you're a grandparent and you have a child here worshiping, serving, learning downstairs with us, I hope you've had a chance, you've taken time to actually discuss with them, compare notes if you will, what they're learning downstairs. Um, spiritual conversations are the most important conversation you can have with your kids and your families. As men and women of God, it is our responsibility to teach and show our families the ways of Jesus. We got to get to the point where these conversations just naturally occur. We don't have to set aside a special time just for those. No, they just happen in the course of everyday life, whether we're at home or like us, you're in the car maybe a lot, or maybe when you go out to dinner today after church, you can have these conversations. Now, it might require something adults. You might have to put this away. And I'm talking to the adults, not the kids. Lead by example. You've all been out to dinner, haven't you? Amen. You've seen the whole family of six, every, every single one of them right here. I can only imagine the same thing or worse probably happens at home, right? They're staring at a screen instead of talking to one another. So here's what we need to do. We need to stop scrolling on Facebook because it doesn't matter at all. And look your family in the eye and let them know how much you love them and how much you care for them. It is so important. We won't get to tell them that every day of their lives because they'll be away eventually. The stronger you are with Jesus, the stronger you will be, the stronger your family will be. If Jesus is a key part of your whole life, if he's the center of your life, it will change everything for you and your family. Now, it won't eliminate the problems that this world is going to throw at us, unfortunately, but it will certainly provide the only means by which we can make it through all of the problems that this world is going to continue to throw at us, all right? A couple weeks ago, we started this series with, with poor old Thomas, that man. We like to give him a hard time, but I want you to remember, we always focus on the negative. Thomas was an incredible man of faith. How do I know? He left everything to follow Jesus, everything to follow Jesus. And just like the rest of the disciples, when Jesus died, he didn't know what to do. He was uncertain. He had no clue what the future looked like 
for him. And then he happened to miss that first encounter with Jesus after the resurrection. The poor guy, his friends tried desperately to persuade him, to get him to believe. And he made those famous words, unless I see, unless I touch, I will not believe. Well, I understand his sentiment. He was left in that doubt for a full week before Jesus comes and fills that specific request to allow him to touch his hands, to see his side and touch his side. And that moment is followed by that great confession, my Lord and my God. You see, in this life, it is possible to have doubts. Some of you have experienced that. And you know what? That's okay. God can handle your doubt. It's easy for him. But we got to give it to him. We've got to be ready to receive the answers that God gives us. You see, in our culture, it is so popular to question everything. But nobody's willing to listen to an answer. They just want to fight and argue. They don't want to hear the truth. You have to be open to listening and accepting the truth or else you're going to be left to wonder in your doubt. God has revealed himself to all mankind. Scripture is clear about that. And here's the thing. We will see him when we seek him. We've got to remember that. Thomas, his doubts were completely erased when he touched the risen Savior. He was once again unified with his brothers and sisters in Christ through that resurrection. Now he and the other disciples were fully unified. That truth unifies the people of God today. I said this a couple weeks ago. I want to repeat it. Our faith, our belief, our in the resurrection is what unites all believers across all humanity, every other doctrinal difference, every other traditional difference, every other cultural difference that exists is overcome by the resurrection and the power therein. It's what makes us one in Jesus. And right now, more than ever, it's important, it's essential that we remain united around this truth because the enemy is going to seek to divide every little sect he can off that will drop that part of it, the resurrection. We must stay united in that truth. Don't let any legal issue, don't let any political issue, don't let any social issue separate you from that truth of Jesus. Week two, we looked at that man named Peter. Good old Peter. He was on the path to becoming this great, incredible, the leader, if you will, of the disciples, this great leader in the kingdom of God. Jesus had specifically appointed him, even renamed him to be this great fisher of men, the central voice for the good news of Jesus Christ moving forward. But after the resurrection, after Jesus' death, Peter is left to deal with some internal issues as he struggles with that denial of Jesus and wondering what on earth, I'm sure he was overjoyed. He had to be overjoyed that Jesus was still alive, but he was wondering, what is my role now moving forward? I'm not worthy of being one of these leaders. There's no way I could ever be who Jesus thought I was going to be, so what am I to do? Now, here's the thing. Peter never asked Jesus that question. Peter never went to Jesus to try to figure out how they could work this out. This is the Peter. This was the Peter that was always the first one to speak up, always the first one to jump on the bandwagon and hit the road and go with Jesus. He was always all in until he was all out fishing with his buddies. And it was Jesus that came to Peter and said, hey, Peter, come here. Let's take a look at this. Let's talk about this just for a minute. Simon, do you love me? Not once, not twice, but three times he asks that vital question. Jesus indicated he knew 
exactly what Peter had done. And that, oh, by the way, Peter, I still love you. And that Jesus still had a vital role for him to play. That Peter still had that role within the kingdom ahead. Incredible work light ahead for that man. And Jesus still trusted Peter with his sheep. And the questions he was asking him to feed his sheep, to lead his sheep, and to love his sheep. He fully trusted him in spite of what he had just done. Jesus came to forgive him. He came to restore him. He came to give him yet again a new life now in the resurrected Savior. And the awesome thing is that Jesus comes to me and you today to do the exact same thing. He asks you, hey, do you love me? Jesus wants to know, do you love Jesus? Is there an answer to that question in the room? Do you love Jesus? I sure hope so. Maybe it's too soon for that question. That's okay. Do you want to know more about Jesus? Ask. There's a room full of people here to ask. (laughs) Ask. Find out more. Maybe you've done something in your life and you feel like you have turned your back on him. That's possible. That's okay. Maybe you feel guilty. That's okay. He invites you to come back to him regardless of how you feel. He loves you and nothing can ever change that. He just wants to know, do you love me? (laughs) Same question he asked Peter. Today is the day to restore that relationship. If somehow you're watching online and you are in a lonely place right now and you feel like you're so far away from God, he comes to you today in this very moment as whenever you see this and says, I'm right here. Do you love me? (laughs) Which leads us to today. We are stronger with Jesus. I don't think anyone could ever argue that, that's ever experienced the love and power of Jesus. Many of us have physically felt that power in our lives, right? All of us, every one of us have experienced the power of God in our lives, but we might not have recognized that it was him. We might not have known what that power was. That's okay. That's okay. I challenge you every day as a part of your prayer at some time in the day, say, God, would you please open my eyes so that I can see you? I can see you a little better in my life. I can see what you're doing in my life and even in the world and the lives of others. Because when you do this, you're going to be able to look back in the past and go, oh, that was you too. Oh, wait, that was, oh, I see, oh, I got that, God. And you might say, why is that important? Well, not only will you see God at work in your journey, but you will then be able to in turn go and share that with others. Next week, we're doing something a little different, okay? Very short message combined with your Stories. We've had some people, those cards that have been on your seats, and there are still some there, that's on purpose. We have some people that have been willing to share. God is at work in the lives of his people. He is at work in your life today. The question is, do you see it? Do you feel it? If not, pray that prayer. God, will you show me? I want to see you in my life. And then when you see it, when you feel it, will you share it with us? We're called to do such a thing, not just next week, but all the time. So those cards will remain around, and there's always that connect card. I would love to share what God is doing in my life. Let's talk. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Today's journey begins at the very, very end of Matthew, Matthew 28. You can go ahead and turn there if you've got your Bibles. If you don't, grab one out of that seat back, under that seat in front of you. Um, Matthew 28 is where we're going to start, and we're also going to end in the very beginning of Acts. Here's a truth that all of us must realize, okay? 
The disciples never anticipated. They always envisioned that Jesus would physically be present with them. They never understood it any different. So that moment when Jesus was taken from them, when he was executed, it was over. How could he possibly build his kingdom if he's not here? Makes sense, right? How could he possibly restore Israel if he wasn't there? How could he possibly teach and lead if he was gone? They believed that they had to have his physical presence with them in order for these things to happen in this ministry to continue. And then he died, and it was all over. Until three days later, he was back, right? Game on. Let's go, Jesus. Here we go. We get it. You're the Messiah. We see it. But clearly, you're the Messiah. You came back from the dead. Now we're ready. Now he's proved it. We're ready to go with him, do whatever he asked us to do. We will follow him beyond whatever. His power is beyond measure. Their fear is now gone. Jesus now, he's not always with them, but he keeps coming and going. You know what? That's cool because he's God, and he can do whatever he wants, and we can accept that. But that's great. He keeps coming to visit us. We'll just take this. He's God. They're doing their best to follow his directions. Go here, stay there, wait here, do this, do that. Okay, Jesus, we're, we're doing the best he can. Now, here's the cool part. Surely this time he'll be with us, right? He's not going to leave us again. He's going to be with us to do this thing, right? Maybe not. Acts 28, verse 16 is where we'll start. Then the 11 disciples, they went to Galilee, to the mountain that Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped. But some doubted. What? How's that possible? Okay, here's some important information for you. They don't know it yet, but this is the last time they're ever going to see Jesus physically in person on this earth. He's led them to this mountain to give them one last set of instructions. The most important thing, maybe he told them, who knows, but the, one of the biggest things, the last piece of information that he gave. And yet Matthew records that as they gathered there, some are doubting. Now, the words used here are really important, Okay. The words that's talking about doubt here indicate something. We don't know exactly who it was that's doubting, but we know because of the word that it included some of the 11. We don't know which ones, but some of them were part of this doubt. But there's another really key point to this word. The word that he used for doubt does not mean that they refused to believe. It wasn't, I doubt it. I don't think so. There's no way. No, 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 no. It was, man. I don't know. <laughs> like, whoa, this is too much to handle. I just don't know if this is, is it possible that all this could happen. They struggled. They wanted to believe, but truthfully, it was all so unbelievable. How could they? Now, what's really awesome about this tiny little sentence is this, the fact that Matthew recorded it at all. There's no reason for Matthew to tell us that they were on the mountain with Jesus doubting that he was really Jesus. He added that for us to know that it's okay to have questions. He's being honest. Faith can be hard. And he wanted to let us know that it was for them as well. Then Jesus said these final words. These words include a portion which have been called, dubbed the, the great commission. That is a man-made term. That word is not in the Bible, all right? We added that, okay? But it is, gets the idea of what he asks us to do. See if you were to recognize it. Matthew 28, 
beginning of verse 18. Then Jesus came and said to them, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have taught you. That's a key for us today. Everything he taught, not just pick and choose. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. These are the final instructions of Jesus. He's empowering his closest followers to now officially begin sharing this new covenant, the good news of Jesus with all of those they come in contact. Some of his disciples were wavering. They weren't sure what to do next. So Jesus says, okay, do this. He flat out tells them, there's no questions here. Peter could not go. And now, did you mean to go? What did you mean? by? No, it's very, very clear. He reminds them that, oh, guys, by the way, remember, I have the power. I have the authority. I've just now permanently demonstrated it through my resurrection, so there should be no question there. Now, based on that authority, here we go. Get started making disciples. I need you to go and do what I did with each of you. I showed you how. I taught you the way. Now, go. Key word, go. Huge word. Get off the mountain. Get out of our seats and go. Tell the people your story. Go and share my love with others. Go and teach them how to live, how to love others. Go and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. If we are truly believers, then we are to be leading people to put their faith in Jesus. We got to show them. We got to show them how to die to self. We can't just tell them. Jesus didn't just tell his disciples what to do. He showed them what to do. We got to help raise them up in Christ by teaching them his ways and his words. There was a study done just a couple years ago by the Barner Group based on the Great Commission. It found this, that 51% of people that regularly attend church had absolutely no idea what the Great Commission is. Again, that's a man-made term, but the concept of the Great Commission, half of the people at church didn't have any idea what it was. People claiming the name of Christ did not know the thing that Jesus specifically commissioned, ordered, appointed, assigned us, his followers, to do. Is it possible to be a genuine follower of Jesus and yet ignore the last words that he spoke? Now, it could be, it very easily could be that the church hadn't taught them. There's a level of responsibility that the church is supposed to preach the whole council of scripture, not just pick and choose the elements that we want. But there's a personal side to it as well, some accountability. If I'm a follower, I need to be in the word. I need to be studying and discovering. And Jesus will reveal to me these truths for sure. The church itself should be challenging people at every possible turn to fulfill the great commission. It was not Jesus' great suggestion to the church today. It was his final command. We got to go. We got to make disciples of all nations. And yeah, we got to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He tells us to do it. It's not optional for us. And oh yeah, that obey thing, what he told us. Now just for those of you that like numbers, the wrap-up of that study, that was 51%. Okay, 27%, I'm sorry, 25% of the people had heard the Great Commission but couldn't tell you what it was. And yes, 17%, 17% of the people in the church actually could relay what the Great Commission was to others. That's not a good number. 
And if you add it all up, there's some decimals in there. There's about 6% of people remaining. I don't know where those people were. <laughs> there's no real, just, they're just left out. We don't know. We don't know what those people thought or anything else. Who knows about them, right? Those people still exist today. They, they just, they're just there. Like they don't know, they don't learn, they don't hear. They're just physically present. And can I tell you what a blessing it is they're physically present? Because the Spirit will penetrate that presence at some point in time and change those people as well. But here's the good news. Church, if we rise up as a body of Christ across this globe and we actually take these words of Jesus to heart, then the funniest thing will happen. The people that you know will start believing in Jesus. They will. It could be your coworkers, could be your family, could be friends, could be neighbors, could be strangers on the streets. But they're going to hear your story. They're going to hear who you were, and they're going to hear who you are because of Jesus and how he saved you. They will hear who Jesus is and how much he loves them. They will learn that their life is no accident, that they were absolutely created on purpose and for a purpose. They will hear about how Jesus died for them so that they might have a chance to live and have hope in this hopeless world and in not just in this life, oh no, but the life beyond. When we do that, there will not be enough room in all of the churches in this community for all of the people that will be coming to Christ. But it's up to us to choose to go. Let's end with this. We're stronger with Jesus. We're better with Jesus. And remember, the disciples never anticipated Jesus leaving again, right? They were on that mountain that day. They were listening to Jesus' final words. It is hard to imagine what they were thinking, but I can guarantee you it wasn't that, hey, I bet he's getting ready to disappear and go to heaven to hang out with his dad. I'm just guessing none of them were thinking that was what was about to happen. I'm pretty sure it all looks something like this. Thankfully, Luke recorded it for us in Acts chapter 1, verse 9. It said, after he, Jesus, said this, he was taken up before their very eyes in a cloud, and a cloud hid them from sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. Now, what did that look like? It looked like this. Uh, Peter, did you? Did you? Mary, did you? Okay, yeah, all right. Uh, and they were just, there's no record of how long they stood there just gasping at the cloud, wondering what on earth do we do now? Because we're still on earth and he's clearly not. What is going on? He just left again. I know for a fact they were standing there with absolutely no idea what to do next because they had to be reminded again what was next. Jesus just told them moments ago to do what? Go! And they all stay and stare. So Jesus sends a helpful reminder. Those guys glowing in white show up again and say, hey, stupid, what are you doing standing here looking at the sky? Get out of here and do what he told you to do. That's a paraphrase, of course. <laughs> but remember, Luke wasn't there either, so he got secondhand information, so his might be as well. We don't know what language those angels actually, I don't think they were smiling. I just, hey guys, come on, get down the mountain, it's time. I don't think that was it. I think they were a little more direct with them. Who knows? Why do you stand there looking to the sky? The same Jesus has been taken from you will return in the same way you have seen him ascend into heaven. But there was a difference this time as they came down the mountain. You see, they had another piece of information 
that they didn't have before. Jesus had now revealed to them exactly how he would be with them to the end of the age. But wait, he just left. Mm -hmm. How can he be here if he's not here? Mm -hmm. Then they began to recall his words. He had just spoken some of them, but I know they reckoned back to previous conversations. Acts 1, verse 4 and 5, Jesus said, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he would be with them, and now they are beginning to understand exactly how that is going to take place. Now, if you've been brought up in the church, then you might have an understanding in the New Covenant of what this thing is of the Holy Spirit and God's ability to dwell within us. I doubt any of us have a full grasp on it. I don't know that we can, to be honest, but we understand that this was God's plan for us. The disciples had absolutely no way of understanding or comprehending this treasure because God had not done this before. This was a new covenant with man. Now, Jesus had told them in earlier conversation, hey, guys, here's the thing. I know you love hanging out with me. It's cool. But I promise you, it'll be better, actually, that I leave. They never understood that. How could it possibly be better? It'll be better because I'm going to send you the advocate. I'm going to send you my helper. I'm going to send you a piece of me, the Holy Spirit, to dwell inside of you. They could not have comprehended how God, the God of the universe, the creator God, could dwell inside of them. But soon they would find out. After that day, they left the mountain. They went back. They stayed together as Jesus had asked, and they wait 10 days. 10 days. We'll fast forward just a moment into Acts 2. When the moment happens, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a great wind from heaven. It filled the room, and suddenly something like fire was separated on each of their heads. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit enabled them. And then it began. And it says that 3,000 were saved on that day, and that is awesome, and that is incredible. But you know what's more incredible? That billions upon billions upon billions have been saved since that day. And you know what's even more awesome? <laughs> there are billions and billions and billions more that have yet to hear this good news. And we get to tell them. Have you ever thought about that as exciting? Have you ever thought about sharing Jesus Christ, not being a burden, not being something you have to do, but being excited about saving someone from the depths of hell? Have you ever thought about the excitement that should go in to that logic and the passion you should have for them? Well, here's the incredible news. You don't have to wait 10 days. <laughs> you don't have to wait 10 minutes. You can come to Jesus right now. You don't have to understand it all. As a matter of fact, I would challenge you and say you can't understand it all. He hasn't revealed it all to us. We will not fully understand everything until we're in his presence one day. You don't have to have your life right. As a matter of fact, he doesn't want you to have your life right. He wants you to come to him first. You must simply believe that Jesus is the Christ. He is the son of the living God. You must have a desire for him to forgive you of your sins. He desires to forgive you. He went to the cross to be able to forgive you. And now he longs for you to accept that forgiveness. 
He wants to redeem you from the debt that you owe and save you from an eternity apart from him. Come to him. Join with him. And yes, be baptized into that new life that Jesus has in store for you. Then the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God is yours to dwell inside of you. Then you can begin to read and understand. Then God will open your eyes to reveal to you as you ask him to reveal those things to you. Then your desire will start to become for him and you will become more like him. Doesn't mean you're not going to have mistakes. No, of course we're going to have mistakes. But then you will desire to be more like Jesus and to begin to allow him to eliminate those mistakes and those ways of living and those things that we do that we know are sinful. We will develop a desire to love others the way that he loves us. And yes, a desire to fulfill the great commission to seek and save the lost, to share the incredible news of Jesus Christ with all those that don't yet know. Because salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which man must be saved. I love the words at the end. By man, much, must, must, must be saved. It's not optional. He died so that we could be. Now we must be saved. Do we have that mission? Church, do we leave here standing on a mountain just staring up at Jesus? Or do we leave here excited and ready to go? Is there any question about what we need to do? If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, and the answer to that question is accept Jesus Christ right now. There's no need to wait a second longer. If you're a believer in Christ and there's something between you and God right now, it's time to bring it forward, to offer that up to God and say, God, I, 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 I repent of putting this barrier between us. And God says, what barrier? He doesn't see it. <laughs> he knows you put it there, but he's, it's not in his way at all. Give it up to him. And if you just need that good kick in the backside to go, maybe that's what the Spirit does with you today. Father God, we, we thank you for your words of encouragement. We, we can't imagine being part of this scene as Jesus ascended into heaven and what that looked like and what that felt like and the confusion that began to reign in their hearts once again as they wondered, what are we to do now? He's left us again. How can we possibly do everything he's asked us on our own? And he quickly reminds them, you're not alone. You're not on your own. I'm sending something. Wait patiently. It's coming. The Spirit. My Spirit is coming to you, and you'll know it when you receive it. And I know there's many in this room that absolutely have felt and experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life. And their story is one that needs to be shared because there's so much confusion and misunderstanding about the Holy Spirit. And I believe he reveals himself in unique ways to each and every human that he indwells because we're all different. And we're going to see him different. And he's going to use us and work through us differently. We're not meant to be the same. Father, help us to recognize your spirit within us. Help us to be willing to share our story Father, help us be willing to go and make disciples so that we can not just fill this place. Father, that's not the goal. Our goal is to fill eternity <laughs> with your followers. Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to worship this morning.